Morning, church. It's a real privilege to be able to share God's Word with you this morning, and um, incredible time of worship right now. It really, there is nothing quite like being in the presence of God, and uh, trust that you are making a daily habit of that, that it's not just on a Sunday that we enter into the presence of God, but this free gift that Jesus has given us to enter in on a daily basis. Um, if you haven't been with us, we had kicked off a series called The Beatitudes um, two weeks ago, and really what it is, is they're, they're probably Jesus' most famous teachings. 2,000 years ago, Jesus on a mountain with a bunch of people like you and I, and he begins to unpack these teachings that I would say are probably more relevant and important today than they were 2,000 years ago. They are counter-culture teachings that challenge us as followers of Jesus to live the way Jesus wants us to live according to the kingdom blueprint rather than to our own blueprint. And Hilt over the last two weeks has unpacked this idea of um, well, the last two weeks, the first was blessed are the poor in spirit, and the second week was blessed are those who mourn. If you missed either of those two, I really want to encourage you to go back and see them. You can catch them online. Uh, but today we're going to be picking up the text in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. Blessed are those who are meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who are meek, for they will inherit the earth. Meek's not really a word that you and I use a whole lot today. Like, you know, if you went to a job interview and uh, they said, you know, just tell me a little bit about your strengths. Tell me about your top qualities. You're not, you know, saying, look, I'm really meek. Actually, like, super meek. If you're looking for meek, look no further. I am all of meekness here in person. If you, if, if you ask a girl looking for, for a guy, like, what are the qualities you're looking for in a guy? Um, I haven't heard a girl yet say meek. Like, I'm just, I just want him to be meek. Like, you know, like physically strong and just meek. Like meek is majestic. And yet Jesus uses this word, not just once in this text, but often throughout the scriptures. And I would like to present today that meekness has the incredible transformational power to change your life. That walking according to this particular passage offers us this opportunity to inherit the earth. And so I want to preach a message around this idea about the power of meekness. And I use those two words intentionally, the power of meekness, because I believe there is power in meekness. Interesting, Jesus refers uh, to um, meekness in this particular passage. Um, you may have heard this passage read before. It says, come unto me, all of you that labor and are heavy laden. The idea is, come to me, everybody who feels like they're treading water. Come to me when you feel like life is just a little too hard or perhaps extremely difficult. Come to me. Jesus is making this inv invitation. He says, come to me, all that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek. Jesus refers to himself as meek. I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. Jesus not only refers to himself as meek, 
but he attributes that when you encounter meekness, you will find rest. When you engage with the person and presence of God who is meek, you will find rest for your souls. I'd like to guess that today for many of you, you've come in here and there's a restlessness in your soul. There's a desperate plea to God to find rest for your soul. Your soul, your mind, your life is craving rest. And Jesus says that meekness and rest are connected. Let me tell you, those who do not find rest, people who are angry, bitter, offended, prideful, power hungry, you're not going to find rest in those environments. And yet Jesus makes this invitation to us. If you want to find rest for your soul, find meekness. Back to that Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, reading it in a different translation, reading it in the message translation, it says this, you are blessed when you are content with who you are. No more, no less. That's a little window into what it looks like to be meek. When you're just content, you're not looking to the left or the right, you're not wanting to be the person on the left or the right, you're not striving for what you see on social media or your neighbor, but blessed are you who are content, who are not looking to the left or the right, no more, no less. And then it goes on to say this, that's the moment. So when you engage with meekness, when you find meekness, when you choose meekness, that's the moment you find yourselves proud owners, listen to how it ends, of everything that can't be bought. Perhaps inheriting the earth has got little to do with the material possessions that we think are going to make us blessed. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Some of us are like, awesome. So I just need to be like humble, even if it's pretend humble, and then God will just give me everything. But perhaps God's not talking about material things. In fact, I'd like to put it to you. He's not talking about things that can be bought with rands and cents, friends. He's talking about things that can't be bought with money. You will be able to inherit the things you desperately crave, like rest, like joy, like hope, like passion, like purpose. None of these things can be bought, friends. And God offers it to those who would choose to be meek. Blessed are those who are meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You see, for many people, perhaps even some of us, we're trying to buy influence, buy status, buy power, buy our image, buy our joy. And God offers a radically different approach to inheriting the things that money can't buy. This polar opposite counterculture beatitude. Now we find these kingdom paradoxes right the way throughout scriptures. Things like, if you wanna win, you must lose. You gain by giving. You live by dying. You rise by bowing down. You wanna be first, then be lost. So God goes, you wanna inherit the earth? You want to have the things that really matter? Then you need to choose meekness. The TLB version 
of this particular Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, reads like this. It says, the meek and lowly are fortunate, for the whole wide world belongs to them. For the whole wide world belongs to them. Now be honest, friends. Be honest. You think that the whole wide world belongs to those who are powerful. That's, that's the message we've been sold via social media and news and institutions is that the whole wide world belongs to those who are powerful and those who go and take it by force. And God goes, according to my kingdom, not so. The whole wide world belongs to those who choose meekness. The whole wide world. I believe that for some of you today, and this has been my great prayer this week, that some of your marriages will be mended by meekness. Because no car, no home, no salary can help your marriage like meekness. Some of your families that are dysfunctional and broken and there's chaos, you will find the miracle working of Jesus in meekness. The whole wide world, the things you cannot buy with rants and cents, the things that really matter, the culture within your workplace. Some of you have the great privilege of being able to be the employer and you have employees and the world system works on fear and intimidation and I'm the boss and do it my way. And if you choose meekness, you will see the things that you cannot buy with power and rands and cents because God starts to bless and you're going to see your family and your marriage and your work environment and your friendships change because the power of meekness. Now, some of you need to fact check your understanding of the word meekness because you're still not convinced. Many of you think when you read the word meek, you think weak. I don't want to be that. I want to be a weak person. I don't, I don't want to be a drip. I don't want to be a doormat. No ways. Is that what God's asking me to do? Is that who God's asking me? Just to be a walkover? To be, to be weak? To be like a, whatever you say? To be like this feather that just blows in the wind? Like, yeah, okay. That's, that's, so you bet you're struggling because you're like, I want my marriage to be sorted out. I want, I want the culture to be held. I want to be a good follower of Jesus, but I don't want to be weak. I don't want to be soft. I don't want to be a doormat. So today, I offer you the opportunity to have a good look and fact check what this word meek actually means. But before we do that, let me take a moment to tell you that many people, but three that I've taken, are spoken of as meek in the scriptures. Moses, Isaiah, Jesus. Moses is the guy who goes to Pharaoh. Now we read it in kids' church or perhaps in your Bible reading and we don't have context. It's like Moses going to Putin. Say, give my people back. This guy, Pharaoh, 
would have been the most dangerous, evil, intimidating, dominating force. Moses goes, he gets his people back. There's signs and wonders and miracles. He passed through a Red Sea. He takes a million people. And the scriptures speak about him being meek. Isaiah stands before nations that there's an abomination and there's all sorts of false gods and he speaks and he challenges and he confronts them. And it speaks about Isaiah being meek. Jesus, on a cross, the most, the most gruesome torture and at any stage, Jesus could have made the decision to come down. Called on a thousand angels. But he goes through the most gruesome, torturous, dreadful, painful death on a cross. And he's known for his meekness. Friends, let's be clear today. Meek does not mean weak. If you look at this passenger God, I want to be weak. Well, good, you're in good company. The potential is, your life has the potential to look like Moses, to look like Isaiah, to look like Jesus when we choose meekness. So let's fact check meekness just for a moment. The Greek translation best describes meekness as surrendered strength or strength under control. Let's just stay there for a moment. So if you don't get this, won't be able to look at how God is able to use us. Meekness, when God invites us into blessed are the meek, it means surrendered strength or strength under control. In other words, submitted power. That's the invitation that God is inviting us into. The picture or the imagery here best for us perhaps is that of a stallion. Have you seen a stallion? It's strength it's majesty, it's power. Some of you, when you read, be meek, you don't think stallion, you think pony. I won't be a pony. Well, good thing, friends, God is not asking you to be a pony. Perhaps, quick side note, it's been the problem with the church. When God's asked us to be a stallion, we've been like ponies. Uh, yeah, anything you want. God's like, be a stallion. But church, be a broken stallion. Be a submitted stallion. Be a surrendered stallion. Do you know what our problem is? We're stallions. But we're not submitted. We're unsubmitted stallions. Do you know what the problem with that is, friends? It's dangerous. And it's wild. And it's damaging. Do you know what unsubmitted stallions look like? It looks like there's anger. An unsubmitted stallion looks like there's domination and manipulation and this demeaning behavior and this powering up and this control. Some of you are there. We've already spoken about marriages. We've spoken about parents and family units about our work environments. But that's how our strength, our stallion, that God's called it, that's how it's being displayed. Uncontrolled, unsubmitted, unsurrendered strength. 
And so what happens is it lashes. And we show our strength, but we show it in domination and manipulation. We show how hard we can be instead of how soft we can be. We show how much in control we are instead of saying, I'm not in control at all. I trust in the Lord with all of my heart. I lean not on my own understanding. The invitation to be meek is an invitation to have submitted strength, to be the stallion, but to be a broken stallion. Perhaps a good way to describe this is a tamed and trained so that our strength is controlled, not cruel. God is not asking you to be a pony, friends. He's not asking you to be weak, but He is asking you to get your strength under control, under submission. The invitation to the submitted, surrendered strength is basically this. We make the decision that we are under the reins of our master. What we're asking God to do is that we would be harnessed by the Holy Spirit. We need to be broken just like the stallion. Listen to what Psalm 51 verse 17 says. It says, my sacrifice, O God, some versions say the sacrifice you desire, O God, but my sacrifice, what I can bring to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. The invitation here is for you and I, just like the stallion, to be broken and to say, God, my life is yours. Holy Spirit, everything, every area, I invite you to break me on the inside. My life belongs to you. I am not in control. The surrender that is required. The problem is, church, if you're anything like me, although the desire is there to be the stallion with surrendered, submitted strength, I find my pride getting in the way. So although I want my marriage to look like one that is healthy and whole and where I'm able to serve and bless and love and honor my wife, I find that strength that was reserved to empower and uplift and love and serve her being lashed out in cruel ways. Although I want to be a boss or an employer that is able to lift up and serve my staff and see the value in them, I find myself at times dominating and manipulating and being in control. Why? Because I can. Because I'll be that stallion. Because the world has led me to believe that the powerful inherit the earth. And Jesus says, it's the meek, friend. It's the meek who inherit the earth. So let's talk about pride just for a moment. James chapter 4, verse 6. Perhaps you've heard this passage before. It says this, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud. That word oppose is a Greek word, means, uh, it, uh, which is antitasso, which means to range in battle against. Effectively, it's saying this, the proud are at war with God. You see, we think 
that pride is a wall. Like it's something that, that, that like, there's a barrier between us and God. Friends, it's not a wall. It's a wall. Every time you and I choose pride, we choose to be at war with God. Every time pride, we say it's my way, it's my kingdom, it's my castle, it's my life. Every time we make war with God. Proverbs chapter 8 verse 13 says, I hate pride, this is God, and arrogance. The reason God hates pride and arrogance, friends, is because families are torn apart. Friendships are torn apart. Anger and unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment and abuse reign. They are the fruit of pride. Psalm 10 verse 4 says this, In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him, seek him being Jesus. In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there's no room for God. And the question has to be asked of you and I is, is there room for Jesus to work in areas that you have not given him room? God, I'll come to church on a Sunday. Don't touch my money. Don't tell me that I gotta do this or be like. Now pride is at war with God. You know what pride does, friends? Pride, pride has a way of keeping you in your stubborn, stubborn ways. Pride has a way of keeping you from getting help when you desperately, spiritually, biblically need help. Pride has a way from keeping you from being sorry. Pride has a way to keep you from pain. And pride ultimately has a way of keeping you entrenched in sin. Now, I've, I've shared this before, and, and we share it like totally openly um, Tones and I are, my wife and I are coming up to 10 years of marriage, and um, it's been a wonderful roller coaster. Um, add a couple of kids in there, and uh, it feels like an endless roller coaster. And I don't like roller coasters, um, but I do love my marriage. And, um, but our first couple of years were really, really difficult. Excruciatingly difficult. There were many, many times where I would park in the driveway and think, geez, I made the wrong decision here. We shouldn't have got married. We got married too early. What happens if we get divorced? Times where I'd just park in the car and it'd be better to sit in silence than it was to go in and just have a fight about who knows what, but I knew it was coming. And you know, as I reflect, as we reflect, my wife and I, in those early years, I want to tell you two things. The main thing I want to tell you is that pride was our problem. Not, uh, we, 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 cannot, we cannot think about what we thought about in those first three or four years. We, we can't tell you what the things were. So the thing wasn't important. Whatever we were talking about didn't really matter. What mattered was there were two people who were so prideful, that was so interested in being right rather than our marriage being right, that we would choose to be alive rather than choose to be surrendered. And so pride was a massive problem for us. 
We got no problem talking about this because I think that there are a lot of marriages, and it's the second point that I'm going to bring up, bring up. I think there are a lot of marriages sitting here, and there is all sorts of issues going on, and nobody knows. Because every time Tony would say to me, we need to talk to somebody, we need to share, do you know what I'd think? I'd shut her down every time. She, she, to, to, be, to be fair, there was a lot less pride in her than there was in me. And, and you, you, know, you know what would happen every time? I'd be like, no, I don't, I don't want to. I'm, we're not telling anyone. We'll sort it out ourselves. And my main reason was, I was worried what people would think about me. Oh, shouldn't I have it all together? I don't want to be exposed. We don't need help. And you know what the problem was that? Pride. Just holding on to pride. Now we eventually got help and started having conversations and being honest around stuff, and it was brutally difficult. But we have to choose difficult. Meekness is difficult. You, I mean, you can choose your difficult. Stay in your difficult, dinged up, messed up, hurtful relationship. Or choose meekness. That will expose you on the inside, but will bring healing and love. Now, there are still times, friends, in our 10 years of marriage where there are moments where pride comes and we can feel like we're right back in year one or two, but we've learned that it's the meek that inherit the things that cannot be bought, like healthy marriages, like healthy homes, it's, there are moments, and my wife gets this right many more times than me, I'll promise you that. But there are moments when my wife will say something, and I can feel the hook. I can feel the bait. Like, I'm like, let's go. Start rolling up my sleeves. I'm like, I know I'm right. I'm going to win this one. And then I just feel the Holy Spirit on the inside. What do you want to do, Cole? Be right or have a marriage that's right? What's more important, Cole? To speak or to stay silent? Submitted strength. And there'd be moments where I smile on the inside, I say nothing. And I know in that moment, I could have been the stallion that was wild and damaging and cruel. But I chose to hold on to submitted surrendered strength and ask the Holy Spirit to help me to help our marriage and to dear God help Tony joking <laughs> joking but friends I genuinely believe in the power of meekness some, some of you will see your marriages change in the most supernatural way you'll see your homes change you'll see your parenting change meekness friends is not weakness Meekness is a posture and a predetermined position of humility. I, sometimes I can't choose humility in the moment. I mean, I, I, I could, but it would be, it's far more helpful for me to choose a predetermined position of meekness and then humility and the grace of God helps me in that moment than having to choose every time a battle rages, every time somebody tries to undermine or get me angry, whatever it is. It's this predetermined position. And so James chapter 4, verse 6, 
shouts loud and is aggressive in its statement where it says God opposes the proud, but then in the most gracious, Jesus-like way, it says, but he gives grace to the humble. Church, grace is the power of God to, to, to be everything he's called you to be and to do everything he's called you to do. So you know where you've whispered and said to God, it's too hard? Not by his grace. Do you know where you feel like your marriage is too far gone? Not by his grace. Do you know where you feel like you don't have what it takes? Not by his grace. His grace is the empowering presence of God to do and to be everything He's called you to be, to be a wife, to be a husband, to be a mom, to be a dad, to be an employer, to be a leader, to be a follower of Christ, to be a son, to be a... His grace. But you and I have to choose because if pride is not a war, but a war with God, then humility, meekness is an all-access pass to Jesus. Saying, God, I need you. I desperately need you. I am broken and messed up and I need you to do some work on the inside of me. I'm going to invite the band to come up. See, friends, meekness is the abiding place for His presence. It's the abiding place for His provision and his redemption, and his grace. Meek will mend your marriage. Meek will set you free from comparison and competition. Meek will lead to rest. Some of you are so angry and so bitter on the inside because you are still alive. I'm not saying bad things won't happen to you. I'm not saying unfair situations won't happen to you. But I'm telling you, when you are still alive, when pride still lives on the inside, it'll go over and over and over in your head. You won't find sleep. You won't find rest. You'll find your body starting to fall apart because you are still holding on to you things instead of just going, God, I'm choosing meekness. I'm choosing the predisposition of meekness that sees the humility of God. Now, I've asked the band to come up so we can sing a song called Gratitude because I believe that the way that we find meekness is in surrender. Like the stallion that says, I got the strength, but God, I want to surrender. I want to submit to you, God. If pride makes no room for God, Meekness makes all the room in the world to say, God, you see my dirty laundry. You see my anger as a husband. You see my control as a wife. You see my manipulation in my marriage. You see my fits of rage and my outbursts of anger. And God, none of those, none of that in my work environment, in my family, in my home, in my marriage, none of that blesses you or blesses anyone else. And God, today I surrender. And if I can, just for a moment, for whatever reason, men find this far harder than women. And 
often I'll come up here and um, just as worship's ending and I'll look out and I'll watch people worship and I know you're saying I shouldn't judge you but I do and I'll watch the men in here and I think if you can't raise your hands and you can't sing to the Savior who died in your place I worry about what's happening in your marriage I worry about the way that you're still in control of your life I'm just being honest but if you can't lift your hands and say Jesus if you can't sing and say God I am so grateful I don't even have words God friends men, women I don't know how hard your hearts are but they need to be soft God God can't work if you're still the freaking stallion and it's your kingdom and I think God is calling some of us to attention today say come on bend your knee we we should be worshipping in the presence of God tears rolling down our face saying God but for the grace of you Jesus my marriage my family my business my life would be in tatters but for the grace of God there's victory and there's blessing and there's things that money could never buy the invitation to you friends is blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth what will you inherit the whole wide world things that money can't buy you know what happened church when we start to walk in that meekness the world will turn around god i understand how, how did you respond like that how, how do you have such joy how do you have such a healthy marriage How come you guys still love each other that much? How did your kids how, how come you actually all speak and love each other? Are you going to know? Perhaps you won't put in these words, but you're going to know blessed are the meek for they will have things that money can't buy. So we're going to stand and worship God. We're going to sing a song of gratitude. And my strong challenge to you, friend, If you've never raised your hands, if you've never sung out loud from your today's your day. Because that's the first step in choosing to be meek. For those of us that raise our hands normally and sing to God and there's an overflow of praise today, won't you take those areas in your life that you know need the attention of the Holy Spirit? Say God, I want this area in my life to be submitted and surrendered. so i can see the stallion this broken harness by the holy spirit strength start to be used in the most powerful way so come on let's stand to our feet and sing